Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. There once was a businessman, and he was flying home from Cleveland. Okay, he's flying home to Cleveland, but he was coming from Minneapolis, and he was traveling on Christmas Eve. You would think that going home, right, he, he, he was going home to spend the holidays with his family. And thinking, well, it's Christmas Eve and the airport's going to be nuts, he decided I'm going to go a couple of hours early just to be safe. Of course, it's Christmas Eve and everybody wants to fly home for Christmas. And so when he got to the airport, he realized that it wasn't busy at all. As a matter of fact, it was relatively quiet. Well, he's got two hours to spare. And so he thinks, he said, what should I do? What should I do? So he decides that he says, I'm going to get a cup of coffee. I'm going to get a cup of coffee, and then I'm going to wait at my gate. So he walks up to the coffee counter, right? And it's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. And as, as he said there, a young lady behind the counter smiled and asked him his name and what he would like her to make him. Hi, I'm Lily. What would you like today? Well, it's the airport. It's Christmas Eve. He's looking at her and he's like, okay. Um, he says, um, uh, oh, okay. Um, how, about, how about a pumpkin spice latte? To which she smiles and she said, oh, would you like whipped cream with that? And he's like, well, yeah, of course. And she goes, great, right? And so the young lady, just with a warm smile, the man nodded it. She, she, she then proceeds to tell this businessman how she was going to make just this wonderful, hot pumpkin spice latte with whipped cream specially for him. And then she looked at him and she goes, where are you flying? Where are you going? The young woman asked. He goes, well, I'm going to Cleveland for the holidays. I'm going to spend some, I'm going to spend some holiday with family, and, and then I'm going to come back here. Well, as she finishes up the coffee, she hands it to the man, and she goes, sir, I hope you make just the most wonderful memories in Cleveland. And, and when you come back through here, come and see me and tell me all the memories you've made. And he's just like, and then she goes, I hope you have a very nice day. Well, the man takes his coffee, and he's a bit stunned, and he walks away, and he's like, wow. And he begins thinking, it's, it's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. And anybody would rather be anywhere other than at an airport serving coffee. It's Christmas Eve. And, this, and so he turns around, and he says, hey, um, I got to ask you a question. And so, so she jumps off and, she, and, and, and Lily says, yes, sir, is everything all right with the latte? And he goes, oh, it's wonderful, it's perfect. But my question is, what is your secret to making such meaningful connections serving coffee? What is it? How do you do that? And then she turns and she says, I'm not pouring coffee. I'm pouring happiness into people's lives. So even on Christmas Eve, she chose and she chooses to be happy and to be around happy people, to smile and connect with people. And you could say that this young lady named Lily at the Minneapolis airport 
was a great example of how we should live our life each and every day. Well, listen, when I heard that story, I immediately thought of of Paul as he writes the letter to this church that he loves very much. Paul came to mind, and you go, why? Because in verses 6 through 21, Paul encourages this church to be like him, to be like him. He actually says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You see, when we look at Paul, guys, we see him as an example of love in Christ Jesus. That's who Paul is. And if you're taking notes, guys, this portion of Scripture is broken down really into two statements and a plea. That's what Paul's going to say. He's going to say, listen, let me give you this statement. Let me give you this statement, and I'm going to give you my final plea. You go, what are they? Well, the first thing he says to us, guys, he says, number one, having your favorite teacher, he tells the Corinthian church, is not only silly, but it's wrong. And he's going to point out why. So not only having your, and I get it, guys, we have our favorite teachers. They're people we like to listen to. I understand that. But you got to remember, the church was just overboard because they were pitting each other against one another. He says, no, no, don't go to that person. I'm of Cephas. I don't even talk about Paul. Oh, don't go to Christ. And, and so they were, they were causing division. And so Paul says, no, 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 guys, that's wrong. And let me tell you, it's not only silly, but it's wrong. That's the first thing we're going to see in the first couple of verses we look at. The second statement he says he wants to make is this, guys. He says, I want you guys to think, I want you to think sometimes of what your happiness has cost us. I want you to think about that. And you go, well, how could we apply that in our lives, guys? Well, we come in here, we have air-conditioned building, we have really comfortable chairs. And, but he says, but you need to understand, our happiness, guys, think what it's cost. Think what it's cost. And I'll show you that in the next few verses. And then at the end, he says, here's my final plea. My final plea to you and what I want you to, to see and I want you to imitate, right? As we come to the end of our first major problem, Paul wants to assure this church that he loves them very much. And although he says, you might have some different teachers, some different tutors, he goes, I love you because I've always been your spiritual father. He's going to talk to them in that way. Right, And you know what it's like to be a dad, right? A dad who exhorts his child, a dad who loves his child, a dad who wants to warn his child. He says, that's what I'm going to do in the spiritual realm. And that's what he's going to do. Now, the one thing we need to remember before we get into today's lesson is that we talked about this. In order to build the church that God wants us to build, the way he wants us to build, the way Paul instructed is first and foremost, you guys remember, we must build on what, guys? On the right foundation, the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's what he says. We must build on that. You go, okay, that's, I remember that. And then I said the second thing he says is that we need to build with the right materials. We got to have the right materials. Okay, And he says, in order to build the church, we need to build with the final thing, which is what? The right plans. You always have to have the right plans. So in order to build our church, guys, in order to build the kingdom of God, we need to build on the right foundation. We need to build with the right materials, and we need to have the right plans. You guys tracking with me? That's what he says. Now, the other day I was out for a little run, and I was thinking about the message, and I started to realize we can't build this church. We can't build the church the way Paul says to build it unless we apply these principles to our own spiritual lives. There's no way we can come in here and go, right foundation, right materials, give me the plans, unless we're applying those to our own lives. 
right? And so you go, what do you mean? Well, when we look at our lives, guys, when we look at our spiritual walk with Jesus, are we applying these principles? You go, like what? Well, the first thing is, are we building our lives on the right foundation? Are, is, is that the right foundation? You go, what's that foundation? Remember, Paul says it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. Is your life on the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now, remember, here's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to give you just a partial, grid, a partial view of what the gospel is, just a partial view. He says, but the gospel soul encompasses so much. Is that where you're building your foundation? And you go, well, like what? Help me, pastor. Okay, well, number one, is our foundation, and it has to be on the complete understanding of the gospel, the complete understanding. How the gospel heals, how the gospel just brings peace, how the gospel, I mean, just, I mean, it just permeates everything we are. That's the gospel. Is that where our foundation is? Is that where our walk is? Well, what else? Well, he says, remember, he told the Corinthian church, he says, is your life being built on the message of the cross? On the message of the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection. Why is the resurrection so important? Because he tells the Roman church, guys, the resurrection is power. It's power to get up. It's power to pray. It's power to worship. It's power to do what you, it's power to serve. Guys, the resurrection is everything. Is your life built on that? And that's the first thing we need. That's the foundation. Amen. You go, okay, I got that. But then we got to ask ourselves another important question. You go, what's that? Well, number two, are we building our lives with the right materials? With the right materials. Remember, he was talking about motives. Why are you serving? Why are you doing this as a church? And we had to check our motives. And so the one thing we need to check ourselves is, in our walks with God, what are our motives? Why are we really here? What are our motives for walking with Jesus? You go, well, like what? Like what? Help me, Pastor. Well, I wrote this down, right? Is it fear or love that leads you into a relationship with him? Is it fear or love that leads you into a relationship? You see, for me, at 17 years old, my best friend came to me and he told me about Jesus. I'll never forget it. We went into the church. We watched this movie. It scared the, you know what, out of me. It really did. It was about a man, the rich man who went to hell. And so the the prayer was, do you want to go to hell? And I'm like, I don't want to go to hell. Well, you have to pray this prayer. Okay, Jesus, I don't want to go to hell. Save me. But my relationship with God was based on fear. Fear of going to hell, not on love and who God was. And it took me some time, church, to realize that, that it's a relationship out of love. I love Jesus. I love him. And that's the question is, am, was I building with the right materials? Well, fear is not a right material. It was scary. I was motivated to do things out of fear and not out of genuine love for my creator. For my king. You guys tracking? You know what I mean? And so I, and so I had to take a step back. And I think a lot of people are like that. Hey, how many of you want to go to hell? I don't want to go to hell. Pray this prayer. And so from then on, you're, you're living in fear. But the Christian should live in love. Should live out of love. Is it fear or love that leads you in your relationship with him? You go, what else, pastor? In our lives, church? Listen. Are we building our lives with the right plans? You go, well, what plans? Well, the spiritual plans. You go, like what? Well, jot this down, like prayer. Like prayer. How's our prayer life? 
So many people feel like their prayer life is the drive from the moment you get in the car to the moment you get at work. Whatever it takes you, six minutes, and that's the extent of our prayer. And we go, no, no, I want to build. I want to build my life on prayer, on talking to God. See, the Bible says to pray without ceasing, to continually pray, to have your praises in, in your mouth all the time for him, and to pray and to ask him and ask him to guide you. To confess those things in your life when you sin and be, oh, Lord, I just, I'm just praying. That's the first thing. To build my life has got to start with prayer. But another way to build my life with, with, with the right plans, guys, is, is, is the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit to guide me where I'm supposed to go, how I'm supposed to see things. The power of the Holy Spirit. Pastor, what else? Well, jot this down in humility. You see, God's called us to walk in humility, to be humble. We must remember that everything that God has given us, it comes from Him. Everything we are, your ability to make wealth, your ability to to get a job, your ability to work, everything is a gift from God. And we do, he doesn't want us puffed up. He doesn't want us going, well, look at me. I've got this, and I'm doing this, and boy, I, I didn't need God to help me. I pulled myself by my own. But it's no, it's, we come to the place where in our spiritual lives, we're walking in humility. We're walking in humility because we remember where we came from. Now, I'm not saying we remember the sin because God doesn't remember the sin, but I remember where we came from, and we go, Amen. Amen. Another spiritual plan you can jot down is sacrifice. Sacrifice. What are we willing to sacrifice for the Lord? What are we willing to sacrifice? Are we willing to step out? Are we willing to do what we need to do? You see, sacrifice costs us something, doesn't it? Oh, I'll do it as long as it doesn't cut into my time. I'll do it if it, the sacrifice is going, I'll do it, Lord. I'll do it. Sacrifice, guys, humility and sacrifice and service go hand in hand because here's the thing. Uh, I heard this yesterday. It's you serving in the church even when nobody's patting you on the back. Even when nobody's going, hey, good job. It's you and, and you go, well, why would you do that? Why would you serve in children's ministry for, for six years? Because God, I, God, God. Oh, I, I get it, church. We, we need to thank those who serve. We need to honor them. We need to say amen, thank you. We want to acknowledge them. But the motive of humility and sacrifice. See, we don't serve out of here so people could go, oh, wow. I see you cleaning the floor. Oh, yeah, for Jesus. Amen. Cleaning the floor, right? Or mopping. You see me? Anybody? God sees you. And so are we building our lives? Are we building our lives, guys, on what? Are we building it on the foundation of the gospel? Are we building our lives with the right materials? Are we, are we just in a love relationship with him? And are we having our right spiritual plans? Can't build the church without these things in our lives. See, Paul this morning, guys, he's going to send out, right? He's going to set out to be an example to believers who are struggling as they're growing in the Lord. Now, the problem is, is this church right now, it's still carnal. It's still carnal. And, and, and let me tell you, let me give you a preview of next week, okay? Next week, chapter 5, you don't want to miss it, but we're actually going to talk about sexual immorality. Do you realize that in the church at Corinth right now, there is a guy in the church 
but he's actually sleeping with his stepmom. And everybody's okay with that. The whole church is open. Paul's like, what? And so, and so again, what's happening? They're still carnal. They're still babes. And Paul's going, no, 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 I, I, I want to help you. And here's what Paul wants to do. Instead of Paul coming and going, man, you guys are, oh. He says, man, I need to love them back to life. I need to love them back to life. I mean, I, 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 get, I don't know what happened. And in verses 6 through 21, instead of pouring out the wrath, if you will, Paul loves them and he encourages them. And he says, if you will, I'm going to pour spiritual happiness back into your life. I want to love you back into your life. And so that's what we want to look at today, guys. So let's take a brief look. As we begin our study, we'll see in verses 6 and 7, Paul once again addresses the body of believers, and he reminds them having your favorite teacher is not only silly, but wrong. Verses 6 and 7. Picking it up in verse 6 says, Now these things, brethren... I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against another. Verse 7, for who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did it, if you indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You go, Pastor, what did he just say? Well, let's unpack it this way. The first thing I want you to do, I want to remind you, remind you, remind you, highlight, underline it. Remember, Paul loves the people. Paul's heart is for people. Why? Guys, he understood the gospel. How else would you explain a man on the road to Damascus, right, here was a man who was persecuting the church. Here was a man who, who was throwing believers in jail on the road to Damascus. He got, he got a full glimpse of the gospel message that changed his life. How do you know it changed his life? Because Paul, in the scripture, there were times when he was left for dead. They took him out of the city. They beat, they beat him and left him there, and he's half dead, bloodied, and swollen. He gets up and goes back into the city. How can you explain that? Because he understood what the gospel means to people. He understood what the message of the cross means. It means eternity with God. Think about this. Think about this. I think Larry and I were talking about this earlier. You understand that separation from God for eternity. I was thinking about eternity. That blows my mind. Eternity, guys, in outer darkness, separated from a loving God. Wow. I was like, think about that. And people are walking around puffed up going, yeah, well, I, I can do it my way. Um, me and God, we got it going on, man. We, I, he, we've got an understanding. I just do my thing. He does his. And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You're puffed up. But Paul loves the church. He goes, I understand the gospel. I love the church. Well, how so? How do you know? Well, look at the word he employs. He says, now these things, brethren, right? Brethren. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle that word for brethren because he means family. He's talking about the family, guys. He employs the word family, and he says, we're family. Now, I understand in the body of Christ that we're family, and we need to grasp that. We're more than just a, 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 a bunch of people coming to a building. We're family. Okay, now, understand what family's like. Family is weird. Family is dysfunctional. Family's crazy. I get that, but we're still family. 
And here's what I love about this. If you all had brothers or sisters, okay, if you all had a, a sibling that you were close by, here's the thing. You two fought like brothers and sisters, okay? You fought, ah, you know, wrestling or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Melissa, you were, you, but nobody touched them. If somebody came again, you're like, man, I can beat up my brother, but you can't. Amen? That's how we're like here, guys. Listen, we might rub each other the wrong way. We might be brothers and sisters. But when the enemy comes in, we get in line and we go, "Uh uh-uh, you're not touching my family. You are not touching my family. And we lock arms together. That's how we should be. We might be upset with each other. We might. (sighs) You might be the crazy uncle that nobody invites to the the barbecue. But nonetheless, if somebody's going to hurt you, I'm going to stand in the way. That's family. You guys have that in you. You know it. And you tell your mom, I'll beat up my sister all day long, but nobody else is going to touch her. Nobody else is going to touch her. That's family. And that's how we are in the body. That's what Paul says, guys, we're family. We're family. And I'll tell you why. Here's the thing. Um, Anthony, nobody's going nobody's to get in. Anthony, that's my brother. That's my brother. And, and when the enemy comes looking for Anthony, we're all going to step up and go, uh-uh. Uh-uh. You have to go through me. Well, I can take you, Ben. Yeah, but you're going to have to go to Kevin. You have to go to Santos. You're going to have to go to Larry. You're going to have to go to Soph. Uh-uh. You guys see that? That needs to be part of our DNA. We're family. That's what Paul says. Listen, you might be a mess. You might be in here going, Pastor, I'm a mess. But we're still family. You're still family. And then he says, now listen, guys, listen. I have figuratively talked about me and Apollos, but let me tell you the reason. Let me tell you the reason. He says, because I I didn't really want to name the real culprits. I didn't want to name the real culprits. I only used them as an illustration. I only used them. I only used this as an illustration. You go, why? Why? Why, Paul? Why, why Why are you using yourself figuratively? He says, because here's why. Listen, I want you to learn. Learn what? From what I have said about us, not to assess man above the value in God's sight. He says, I used us because I didn't want you guys to be lifting us up. I used us. Think about it figuratively. You go, Ben, what, what is he trying to say? You ready? Don't lift up anyone above God or value anybody what God does. That's so key. We have a tendency. Now, listen to me. We have a tendency to lift people on a pedestal, no matter what profession they are but particularly pastors, particularly pastors. And it's almost like the pastor has some deep-rooted connection with God that you don't have. The, question, the thing about it is you have the same connection I have. We don't want to ever lift up men, and we don't ever want to lift up another church above another church. Guys, here's the thing. He says, listen, don't lift up anyone. We always lift up the name of God. And you go, well, why? He says, let me simplify it. I want you to learn so that you can live according to the scriptures. The scriptures. Why is that important, Pastor? Why is that important? Guys, I heard a sad story the other day, and I need to tell it to you. There was a story about a young man, 18 years old, who broke up with a girl and decided to end his life. It's a sad story. 
But the sadder part of the story is that he belonged to a denomination that didn't believe in grace and mercy based on what one man said, based upon what one man developed instead of looking to the Scriptures. Life is hard enough as it is. We need to live according to the Scriptures. I don't want to base my eternal future on what this guy said or that guy said or this man lives or anything else. What did Jesus say? That's how I want to live my life. And he says, if you guys do that, he's telling the church, if you do that, you can avoid the friction you get when you exalt one teacher above another. You can, ex- you can avoid that. And Paul reminds them, listen, this is, this is so key. He says, guys, now listen. He says, by the way, I got a question. What makes you different from somebody else? What makes you different? And I think that's, that's just a great question, is it not? What, what makes us think we're so different? I'll tell you what, man, we're, we're in an age where it's all about, I mean, how different we are. We're not different. It doesn't matter our skin color. It doesn't matter ethnicity. It doesn't matter where we came from. It doesn't our socioeconomic status. We're all the same. We are God. We are God created in his image, every one of us. And he looks at the church and says, what makes you think you're different? I can imagine the church going, yeah, well, we're different from those that went over to Cephas' church or we're those that went over to Apollos' church because we're the church of Paul and the church of... He's like, what makes you say... Guys, we're all the same. Are we not? Why in the world would the enemy want to just pit us against each other? Well, we're we're not the same nationality. What? He says, what makes you think you're different, right? He says, and by the way, listen, he says, and, and what you have, what you got, he says, was that not given to you? I mean, who you really are, is it not given? If, if, if anything had been given to you, right, then how can you boast about it? It's like if you achieve something and Paul's just going, listen, listen, don't you understand? And what you actually have, God gave it to you. We can't boast about any of this. We can't boast. Here's the thing. I'm going to use Santos as an illustration because he came to me between he said, Pastor, is it okay if I play the drums? Absolutely. Here's the thing. He got up there, hadn't practiced, played the drums, amen, but that's what God did for him. Not us. You, you understand that. So it's, it's, the point is he goes, man, Santos, you did a great job. He goes, praise God. Praise God. It, it, that's the whole point. The point is, is how can he boast? What if I went to him and said, hey, Man, thank you for jumping on the, on the drums. And him goes, yeah. Said it a lot better with me on there, didn't it? Man, see these? They, they just come to me. Yeah. I don't know what God would do without me if I didn't play the drums. You go, Ben, that's silly. It is. That's what Paul's saying. The Corinthian church was puffed up going, well, we're of Apollos or we're of Paul. Or we're... And we do that today, do we not, church? Well, I go to this church, you can't go to that church. Do you realize, do you realize that I had a pastor friend many years ago approach one of the, one of the ladies who came to this church and told her, don't come to my church, go to his. I was like, he, did he say that? He said that. I was like, wow. 
I'm, I'm not into sheep stealing, man. But that was, that was just, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. And so Paul says, no, let's deal with this, guys. Let's talk about it. Here's the lesson Paul wants us to learn. In building the church and building our lives, can I get an amen? We build with the right foundation. We build with the right materials. We build with the right plans, spiritually speaking. How do we do that? It must be, listen to me, it must be in the Word of God. Nothing but the Word of God. That's what he's talking about here, guys. It has to be based on the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. And so Paul, Paul is hammering away at them because they're so proud, they're so puffed up about what what God had given them as if it belonged to themselves and as if they acquired the gifts without God. They're like, look at us, we're all this, we're all that. And Paul says, no, 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 it's, it's all God's. It's all God's. Every gift you have, every gift you have, every one of us has an amazing gift. Some of us have the gift of cooking. Some of us have the gift of salsa. Some of us have amazing gifts, right? Some of us are so encouraging, so encouraging. And it's God. God did that. Amen. I love it. I love it. So Paul says, listen, guys, it's wrong. Lift up the Lord. And then the second thing he says as he comes to, he says, okay, so Paul wants the church. I want you guys to think for a minute. He says, think about, he he says this, think sometimes of what your happiness costs them. Think about this, okay? Because a lot of times we don't think the cost, right? We just think, oh, I'm happy, but he's going to talk to them. Look at verse 8. He's talking to the church, and he says, you're already full. You're already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I wish you did reign, that we also might reign in you. You go, Ben, what is Paul saying? Look what he's saying. He said, man, you already have all you need. You already have all you need. You already have more access to God than you can handle. You don't have to bring Apollos. You don't have to bring me into it. You guys are sitting on top of the world, or at least acting like you're sitting on top of the world. He says, man, I really do wish you did reign because I would be there right with you, Paul said. But I got to be honest, in reality, let me give you, let me give you reality. Your imagine exaltation, let me compare that to the distress of a minister's daily life. Let me tell you the reality, okay? You, you're over here, the Corinthian church is walking and they're all puffed up, right? He says, let me, let me, tell, you what, let me tell you what reality is. Okay, this is reality. And so he says, look at verse 9. He says, for I think that God has displayed us, the apostles. Okay, when he uses the apostles here, guys, it's the loose term. It's for those that are called into the ministry. It's apostles, it's teachers, it's pastors, it's everyone. It's not just the 12 apostles. He says, for I think God has displayed in us, the apostles, last. Notice what he says, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and men. You go, Pastor, what did he just say? This blows my mind. Why? Because, because what he said in the original Greek is we're, we're, actually, we're actually on a, uh, on a collision course for death. 
And the original Greek, it says, as criminals condemned to die. He says, this is what God does. If you, if you're, here's the reality. You think you're puffed up, but this is what the, we're, we're actually condemned to die. He says, and by the way, we're made spectacles to the world. You go, what does spectacles mean? Here's what it means, guys. Paul is using a familiar, um, just a fam- image, if you will. Because in the Roman Empire, the government kept people, you guys know this, pacified, how did? By presenting different entertainments, okay, in different cities. And the amphitheaters would be filled, if you guys remember, they would be filled with what? Well, they, were, they, were like the, they would be like completing games. They would, they would compete. Or prisoners would have to fight with beasts, and they would cheer. As a matter of fact, if you're taking note, the word spectacle there actually gives us our English word theater. Theater. Paul says, guys, we have been made spectacles in front of the world and angels. This is what we're called to do. And he says, let me, let me, let me tell you a little bit more. Okay, this is the reality. He says, we're fools for Christ's sake. He says, but, you, but you're wise for Christ in Christ? We are weak, but you guys are strong? You are distinguished. He says, but we're dishonored. What is Paul trying to communicate, guys? He's trying to communicate to the Corinthian believers. They assume that they have wisdom. But he says, but guys, honestly, you're really foolish. You see, because in contrast, the apostles have endured humiliation for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the church. And yet the Corinthian church has considered him foolish. And then he goes on. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, To the present hour, we're bo- we, we both hunger and thirst. We're poorly clothed, beaten and homeless. We are labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. Paul, what are you saying? He's going, guys, let me tell you the reality. You guys are walking up puffed up in pride. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Paul. I'm of this guy. I'm of this guy. My church is better. My church is bigger. We have more attendance. We have more things going on. Paul says, here's the reality. The reality is, he says, man, we're, we're hungry up until this hour. We don't make a whole lot of money. He says, some of us have been beaten. Some of us are homeless. And he's hoping that the Corinthian church would would be a little bit convicted how they're comparing their carnal lives to the sacrifice of Paul and the other apostles. He's trying to say, hey, do you understand? And I was thinking about this. Look what Paul says, guys. He says, man, we're, we're hungry and we're thirsty and we're poor and we're beaten and we're homeless and we're reviled, yet we bless. We're persecuted, yet we endure. We're defamed, yet we entreat. We've been made the filth of the world. And so I had to ask this question. Listen to me. Why would anyone want to live like the apostles, teachers, or pastors? Why would anyone want to do that? Why? I mean, think about what he just told the church. He goes, guys, listen to me. We, they come in and they revile us. They insult us. And we don't retaliate. We actually bless back. They persecute us. They say things about us. They lie about us. And we love them. And we bless them. They leave our churches and they say, well, you won't believe that pastor. He did this or that and this and that. And, we, and when they come back, we go, oh, welcome. To, we're just so glad you're here. 
Why would anyone do that, right? That would, I would be like, Paul, Paul should be like, you guys, you know what? You need to knock it off, but I'll tell you why. Listen to me. Because Paul and the others truly understood the gospel message. And it changed their thinking about God. It changed their thinking about men. And it changed their thinking about eternity. That, guys, think about what it is. Take, think about it, Lord, guys, in, in, in even today's sense. You don't go into the ministry to go rich. You don't go into the ministry, hey, I'm going to go into the ministry because I want to make a lot of money. You don't do that. You realize that people turn on you. You realize that in the ministry, people stab you on the back. You realize that people break your heart. That's what happens in the ministry. So why would you want to do ministry? Because you love Jesus and you understand the gospel. That is, it's so compelling because you go, look, why would I want to do this? And see, and, he, and here's the thing. Listen, it's even more because when the enemy looks at you and he says, well, I can't get to Ben anymore. Guess where he goes? He goes after your family. You know, don't touch my family. Don't touch my kids. Don't touch my grandkids. But you need to understand that Paul understands that your life is so much more valuable than the silly, silly attacks from the enemy. He realizes that your eternity is so much more precious. Your life is so much more precious than than what this person thinks of you or what that person says about you. Oh, sure, it hurts because we're human. But he says, no, guys, no, no. Listen, you understand. You revile us and we love you. And I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I just had to bite my tongue and and watch people go that have hurt me. Because I know that they'll come back. And I want to be with arms open wide. Why? Because their eternity is far better than, than my hurt. That's what Paul is saying. He says, guys, you guys are puffed up, but you don't understand. The reality is, guys, the reality is, think about this, man. We, we don't, we don't, we're not all well clothed. You realize they beat us for the gospel's sake. I was telling somebody earlier today, you don't understand, guys, in our church, the the devil wants to destroy our church. He wants this done. He wants this building something else. He doesn't want the gospel to go forth. He doesn't want the preaching of the word. He doesn't want that. And he definitely wants to destroy your pastors. And when I say pray for your pastors, guys, pray for your pastors. Because again, he knows, he knows. But the reality is, as long as we have breath in our lungs, we're going to preach the gospel to the day we die. Because your life matters. Your soul matters. And I am sick and tired of the devil winning. I'm sick and tired of him breaking up marriages. I'm sick and tired of him robbing and stealing our joy each and every day. No more. It's the gospel. That's the gospel. You see, I believe when Paul got saved on the road to Damascus, I believe he understood the gospel. 
I'm not just, not just oh, I'll give my, it's Jesus, yikes, what do I do? Paul, why are you pushing against the goat? I don't know. Ah. I think he understood the depth of it, guys, the width and the depth of the gospel. I, I believe that. And that's why Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I believe he's a great example of what we should imitate. You see, when we understand the gospel, when we understand all of it, guys, the death, burial, the the message of the cross, the resurrection, and we understand that from here on out, we win, then we have a choice to make, a choice to pour happiness in the gospel into other people. Wherever it is, that's what you do. And I love the fact that sometimes I think I'm driving, and God's like, you're not driving. I got this. Oh, sorry. And God starts moving at a different power. Oh, okay. I thought I was in control, and I didn't know where I was going, but that's what I love about that. That's what I love about that. Guys, what would happen in our world if we all made a choice today to smile, to laugh, to connect with somebody, to encourage and inspire? What would happen? What would our church look like? You see, it's, a, it's one thing to go to our sister like this and go, oh, sister, hey, would you like to go to our church? Here's a card, amen. And she's like, I don't know you from Adam, but what if I connected? What if I connected with Feathers and say, how are you? How's your day going? You know, wow, what a great outfit, wonderful. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you, man. And then we made a connection. You go, why are you so happy? Man, I, I just love Jesus. Would you like to be introduced to Jesus? You see the difference? How can we connect? Could you imagine if we did that? Could you imagine? And, and this is the, one of the most contagious things in the world. You try it. You just smile. People just go, you, that's weird. Because <laughs> we're not used to smiling, are we? We're always used to be like, how you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, my favorite saying these days is same old, same old, you know? Really? Is it the same old, same old? No, God is different every day. It's amazing. It's amazing. So what would our church look like? That's what Paul is saying. And so what he ends up, he's saying, okay, that's, that's the second point. But let me give you the final plea. Look at verse 14. He says, I do not write these things to shame you. You're, but as my beloved children, I want to warn you. See, Paul does not provoke or discourage the Corinthians with his letter Rather, he wants to warn them about the dis- disastrous consequences of pride and division. Guys, that's what we do. That's what we do. Think about it. When you parent your children, you do it not to shame them, but to warn them. There's disastrous consequences, and that's what Paul says. Paul says, I'm not writing you this letter, so you walk out of here with your hand hugged low, and you think, well, I, got, I got spanked by Paul. He goes, I just need to warn you because there's some disastrous consequences to you being prideful, and you're causing division. And I'm just going, wow, wow, think about that. How so, Paul? He says, for though I might have 10,000, or though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet, he says, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. And as a matter of fact, for this reason, I sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Guys, if you have a pencil handy, he's saying, you know what? I know you have 10, you have a th- how many does he have? You have 10,000 instructors, and the word there is pedagogos. It's, it's the word tutor. 
Okay, and it it implies that it typically refers to a person who accompanied a child to school and is responsible for his safety. It's that person who takes them and says, okay, we're going to school. And you sit there and you make sure he's safe and then you bring him home. That's the instructor. Paul says nothing wrong with that, but here's the problem. You have a lot of those, but listen to me. He says, but you only have one spiritual father. As a matter of fact, I was there when you gave your life to Jesus. I was there as you began to grow. I was there. Oh, my goodness. I I loved you so much. I saw the process, and I like seeing the growth in your life like a father. And, and, And that's a really weird thing for me because I've led people to Christ from little to old, and I still feel like their spiritual father. When they first give their life to the Lord, I see them walk, and I see them grow, and I just go, man. It's such a, such a blessing. It's such a blessing to see God move. It's such, it just warms my heart. I just love to see it. I just love to see it. And then, and then as a spiritual dad, guess what happens? The babies make their first boo-boo. You know what I mean? And you're like, and you get to see that too and say, it's okay. Come on. Let's get you cleaned up. Let's get you going. But I missed him. I can't believe this. I've been saved four weeks and I thought I was stronger. No, it's okay. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Because progressive sanctification, guys, is just a long time to grow in Jesus. To grow in Jesus. So Paul says, imitate me. What does that mean? He says, practice, practice my life model since I'm practicing Jesus, since I'm imitating him, since I'm imitating him. You go, what do you mean? Ready? He says, follow my example. Pour happiness into people's lives. Pour in them the gospel message. Pour in the gospel. Think about this. And here's what I said first service. You ready? That we should be so saturated with the gospel, so saturated that, that that's what comes out. That's what comes out. You know, like when you're at the gym and you start off and you're like, hey, I feel pretty good. And then all of a sudden you're soaked, sweating, right? And I mean, you are like dripping, so, right? You know what I'm talking about? You're just like, so you're like, oh my gosh, I just, you could wring your shirt out that soaked. I get like that from time to time. And I just wonder why nobody wants to hug me. I'm like this. And they're like, oh, but I wonder if I was saturated with the gospel, like that's what happens. That's what happens. It's just, and you just pour into happiness. See, we choose to be happy. That's what Paul says. Paul says that. Now he's, he's going to finish up. Now he says, now, now some are puffed up as though I'm not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know Not the word of those who are puffed up, he says, but the power. Why, Paul? For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And then he asks him a question. He says, what do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod? Or should I come to you in love and a spirit of gentleness? Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, now some of you, apparently you've grown conceited to think that I shouldn't visit you. In other words, they're going, Paul, we don't need Paul to come. We got this. We got our own church. We don't need Paul. Who is Paul? He says, no, I'm going to come. 
and it won't be long before I do come in person. And he says, and it won't take me long to see who are the prideful ones because the prideful ones are in word, not in power. And he says, for the kingdom of God is not word puffed up in pride, but in power. And I love what he says. Why? Because I'm going to paraphrase. Ready? He says, when I come, y'all want a spanking? That's what he says. Y'all want a spanking or should I come and love in gentleness? Now, let me, let me give you the gospel, okay? Let me give you the gospel. The Bible says, it's your kindness, O Lord, that leads us to repentance. And so what Jesus says today in this day and age, he says, listen, you're here today and I love you. And I'm giving you an opportunity to come and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it in a spirit of gentleness. I don't want to spank you. You see, sometimes we think right now that God is so mad at us. But I tell you, he's not mad at us. He's madly in love with us. But the problem is, is that we haven't fully embraced the gospel. We haven't understood it because it hasn't changed our thinking and it hasn't changed the way we feel inside and it hasn't changed our heart and it hasn't healed those open wounds and it hasn't healed the past and it hasn't brought comfort to us. And so every day we keep doing the same things, hoping that it'll get better, but we have to grasp the gospel, the message of the cross. That's what Jesus does. He says, hey, today, if you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus, that's what you need to do. You need to do it because right now it's a spirit of gentleness. It's a spirit of love, and he's bidding you to come, and he says, all come. All who are weary, come. Come to the cross. Let the, let the word of God do its work. But like the Corinthian church, there's a few of us in the world that go, well, I think I got this, Lord. Me and him, we got a good understanding. Listen, I do my thing. He does his. We're good, man. We get to, when I get to that day where I die, man, we'll just sort it out. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you need to come. And you need to come in repentance and you need to come in brokenness. And you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the message of the cross. Well, we need to close. We need to close as the worship team comes up. Paul finishes, guys, the first major problem. That's what he finishes up, the message of the cross. Now, don't miss next week. Because next week he's going to deal with the second problem. Sexual immorality. Things going on in the church that that shouldn't go on in the church. You realize that Paul actually tells, Paul actually tells the church, the dude needs to go. Oh no, that's not how we build the church, pastor. We just let everybody come in. He's like, no, this guy is kidding. He's dividing the church. He's sleeping with his stepmom. And y'all are okay with that? No, 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 we have to talk. And Paul's going to lay down some, some pretty heavy admonition, but he loves them. He loves them. How did the church get so weird? Multiply that how many times over in our day and age? You see, it's the same sin. It's just painted and it's just put in different packages. That's what he's going to talk about. But what he wants to leave us today with, guys, is remember, this is the key thing for you. Are you building your lives on the foundation? Do you have the right foundation of the gospel? Do you understand it in its entirety? Has it changed your heart? Has it changed your life? Has it changed your thinking? Has it permeated every part of who you are? Are you building, guys, with the right materials? Are you walking out of fear or love relationship with him? And last but not least, Paul says, hey, guys, are you using the right plans? Are you praying? Are you sacrificing? Are you loving? Are you encouraging? 
Because I wonder what would happen if every one of us today said, okay, today I choose. I choose to be happy and I choose to be around happy people and I'm going to pour the gospel into everybody I meet. That's what I choose to do. If they accept it, great. If they don't, that's up to them. But I choose to be happy. That's what I want my life to be. Now, here's the question. Now, you might be here this morning and you say, Pastor, you were saying a lot of things and and some lights were going on and and I understand what Paul is saying, but if I'm honest with you, Pastor, I... I'm not sure if I have a right relationship with God. I'm not really sure if I'm saved. You see, Pastor, I prayed a prayer, but nothing's ever changed. It seems like my heart is still the same. My life is still the same. My mind is still the same. I still struggle with all these things. And and I feel like I'm a million miles away. Well, you might feel like you're a million miles away today, but listen, you're one decision from coming back to Jesus. You see, right now, his Holy Spirit is moving in your heart, and he's saying, listen, this is the time for you. This is the time for you to get right. This is the time for you to surrender. This is the time for you to go, I need to know the gospel. I want it all. I want it all. I want all that God has for me. I don't want to go back in that world the same way. I don't want to leave here the same way. And that's the work of the Spirit. And you go, well, Pastor, what do I need to do? Well, in the moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. Pastor, there's nobody here. I mean, there's, they're going to, it's not between you or anybody else. It's between you and God. And let me say this. God brought you here for a reason. He followed you all the way to church. And right now, he's, he's, he wants to be your God. He wants to be your friend. And he wants to be your Savior. But you have to take that step. Well, what do I have to do, Pastor? In a moment, I'm going to ask you to just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. And we're just going to acknowledge you and pray for you. Nobody's going to be looking around just between you and the Lord. But God will see your heart, and then I'll lead you in a prayer. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. And we pray, Lord, now that your Holy Spirit would do only what your Holy Spirit can do, not in word or puffed up or pride, but in power. And, Lord, today there might be somebody here who's, who's been struggling with you, God, and, and, and maybe today you're calling them. And they hear your voice. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, that was me. Would you, would you pray for me? I want to surrender my life to Jesus. And if that's you, would you just lift up your hand and just say, don't be afraid. Just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Would you do that right now so I can see you? God bless you, sister. God bless you, sir. God bless you, brother. Anybody else, just right now, between you and the Lord, nobody else is going to see. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Father, I thank you for the hands that were raised today. Lord, what a, what a great kingdom it is. What a, what, a, what a great party is going on in heaven when two people repent, Lord. And I pray for them right now. I pray your Holy Spirit would just fill them. For those of you that raised your hand, if you'll repeat this prayer, mean it your own. It's not my words, but yours. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I have failed you. I've done my life and I've messed up so bad, but But Lord, today my eyes have been opened. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you died. I believe you were buried. And I believe you you, you came back to life. I believe in you, God. And I believe you're coming home one day. Father, I repent of my sins. I turn from them. I don't want to do them anymore. I want my life to change. I need a change. I need you, Jesus. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. 
be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. I choose to follow you this day, Jesus, forever. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Let's worship, church. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.